Good evening. Uh, this is, or good morning, or good afternoon. Uh, this is Victoria with Dream Docs, and this is our webinar slash uh, YouTube video, because we put it up there, uh, slash podcast, how to train your service dog. And while we focus on the service dog part of it, we also talk about pet dogs too, and how to train your dog. So if you go to howtotrainyourservicedog.com, that is our online course for our service dogs, and that's actually where we have all of our online courses. Uh, and if you go to Dream Canine, that's D-R-E-A-M, the letter K, the number nine, dot com, that's our main website. We're also on Instagram. We've got a whole bunch of them on Instagram because Gypsy has her own, Roma has her own, Arrow has his own, and we have a, something else to talk about tonight. Who's going to have her own? Uh, you know, we have different ones on there because I figured it would be a lot easier to have uh, just, you know, the focus on one of them because if people want to see Malin, I don't want to see Gypsy all the time, you know? So Instagram, we all have our own. Don't know if that's a good idea or a bad idea, but that's how we're doing it. Now, tonight we are having a Q&A, which is question and answer. That's what Q&A stands for. So again, my name is Victoria. I've been doing this for a long time. Not the webinar, that's been going on now, I think about a year, but training dogs and training service dogs. And while a lot of trainers get their start training dogs because they had that one dog who was a pain in the rear end and nothing could help them. They went to all these trainers and they finally found the one trainer who could help them. That's not my story. My story starts with a dog I found named Boo and uh, trained her up to be my service dog and try to have other trainers, try to contact other trainers to, to join their group class or see if they could help me, make sure I was doing it right, make sure I didn't forget anything and because I didn't know what I was doing. And none of them got back to me. None of them could help me. So we just kind of did it on our own. And this was before... Before the internet is what it is now. It was in the days of dial-up internet, before YouTube, before Facebook. It was a, a cold land on the universe. But um, people started sending other people to me. You know, they'd be talking, oh, I'm Doc Hootie's trained. You know how you need to go see no need to go see Vicky. Uh, and it just developed from there. And then when people found out we had that I had a service dog, well, then they would you know, bring their service dogs to me, but they would come and they do groups or they do privates or they do boot camp, but we didn't have a whole package for them. And so people would just piecemeal it together and they maybe do groups or maybe do the privates or maybe do boot camp, but it wasn't enough because service dogs, they need to be much better trained than normal pet dogs. And sometimes they weren't. So, you know, people underestimate a lot of times what all it takes your dog to be a service dog. So we're going to talk about that tonight. See, it wasn't just a ramble. There was a point to it. So we're going to talk about that tonight. What all is needed? What all is required? And then we're going to answer some questions. So if you guys have questions, just go ahead and, and write them in the comment uh, box right there and we'll get to them. Okay. So first, what all is needed to have your dog be a service dog? How long does it take? What all do I have to do? So you have two options when you're doing this is one is do it on your own and the other one is go through a program. Now, a lot of times these programs have a three to five plus year waiting list and they're still gonna want application fees. They're still gonna want you to help with fundraising. So you're still gonna have to do work. It's not like you call up and you say, order it like a pizza. Yeah, I need one yellow lab guide dog and maybe some medical alert. And is that gonna be here in a half hour or less? Like it doesn't work that way. Three to five years, guys, years. 
And so a lot of people don't want to wait. And so they decide they want to do owner training, which is perfectly legal in the U.S. to do owner training. But here's the problem with that. Most owners can't potty train their dog, teach their dog to sit on one command and have the dog listen. Can't get their dog to walk nicely on a leash. Uh, you know, and, and that's just really basic stuff. So if you're going to be training your service dog, you need to be able to do that and so much more. And it's very overwhelming. You don't know what to do when. You want to make sure that what you get done gets get done in the right order. And that if there's something wrong or something you're worried about, instead of worrying about it, you want to be able to ask questions and get that taken care of. And that's what we do. That's what we're here for, is to help poor, unfortunate souls like yourself. Poor souls with no one else to turn to. So that was from the Little Mermaid. That wasn't just me being mean. I totally recognize it right off the bat. See, Rich recognized it, and it's not because we've done the Little Mermaid ride a whole bunch of times, and every time we do it, I sing it because Ursula is awesome. Um, it, it, it's because he likes the Little Mermaid too, and we watch him. Anyway, so those are the two different ways you do it. So what we do is kind of a hybrid program. It's your dog. We evaluate. We help you pick the dog if you don't have one. It's your dog. You're responsible for vet care. You are responsible for training. We just help you with guiding you along. Yeah. So how we do that is we have our online course at howtotrainyourservicedog.com. We do private training with you. If you're local, you come to us and we do it. If you're not local, we do... Uh, we do it over over like this, over Facebook Messenger, which is good. Um, I'm an Apple girl, so over FaceTime. Um, we do it over Skype. Uh, I think Google has um, a one Google Duo, I think it is, that we can do it through. So we have different things that we can do, and we set it up like this, and I watch and see what questions and all that fun stuff. Okay? Um, we do that. We do meetups at Disney and Universal. We do group classes. We do field trips. We do boot camp. So we we have all these different things that we offer to help you guys out because everyone needs help in different ways and everyone learns differently. You know, I learn best by sitting and watching a few times and then trying it out on my own a little bit and then doing it. Whereas other people learn best just getting up and doing it. And I don't, I can't process all of that at once. And it took me a while to realize this, but I can't. So uh, whenever, for example, when I was at ne Bart and Michael Bellin's Nipopo Silver School, uh, we, we were doing some stuff and luckily I had brought Gypsy with me, my service dog. So she was the only dog there. So we got to go back to the hotel room at night and I got to practice these things while I was feeding her dinner. She actually got to work for her dinner every night <laughs> and she loved it. So I got to practice it. So it, it was cemented in my head, which is really nice because if I didn't have the dog with me, I'd try to be figuring out how to do it and it just, it wouldn't work out as well. So I learned best that way. Um, by watching and then doing and then getting the, you know, working out my kinks and then getting help with the rest of it. Okay. So, so that, so how long does it take? A while. <laughs> honestly, honest to God, it never ends the learning. Like the learning never, ever ends. It doesn't because what are we working on with Gypsy? We're working on center and forward. We're working on through, which is a leg weave, a walking leg weave. Uh, you know, and then I don't know what we'll work on after that. I'll come up with some other things to work on. But I want to have some stuff that we're working on because it gives her and I both a sense of accomplishment. Now, she's already earned her trick dog novice, intermediate, and advanced titles, and that's really about as far as I want to go. But who knows? Maybe in a couple months I won't feel that way. Um, Gypsy is flipping awesome. She is right here beside me, chewing on a bone. 
that and stretched and splitted out. Um, but it's going to take you a while to train up your dog. Now, here's one of the questions that I get. I have a six-month-old puppy, or no, six-month-old, I'm an eight-week-old, two-month-old puppy. And you say it takes at least six weeks and 120 hours to train up a service dog. So if I start her at two months old, by the time she's eight months old, she's fully trained, right? <laughs> no, she's not fully trained at eight months old. She's still a puppy at eight months old. We have an eight-month-old in right now, Augie. He's eight or nine months old. He's not a fully trained service dog, and he's still a puppy. But usually by the time you're 10, 11 months old, 12 months old, well, not you, but your dog, you know, and they've got one or two good tasks down, and they're good out in public, as long as we still remember that they're puppies and how it goes. Oh, Augie's not mine, Shira. Augie's here for boot camp. Um, but he is an English cream golden, and you would love him because he's super duper cute. Um, but but as long as we know that, that works. So what I have is sometimes I'll have people who say, well, then why should I start at two months old when I can start at six months old? And then after the six months, he'll be a year old. Bam, he's a service dog, and it takes less time because you're not teaching him what not to do, right? You, you're going to have to erase those bad manners, those bad habits, anything bad that your dog does. All those bad things are going to have to unlearn. Whereas if you start right from the get-go, you're not going to have to unlearn it because you're teaching and shaping along the way. Okay. Um, so, so that, okay. We like to start them young. And for us, there's no difference in price. <laughs> All of our service dog programs. And we have three, we have the online only, we have the online with personal training, with meetups at Disney Universal, with field trips, with group classes, with the testing. And then we have all that plus our boot camp, our five-week boot camp where they come and they stay with us for five weeks. All of that, there's no limits. There's no time limits. It's as much as you need, as long as you need it. Uh, and and it, like I said, it, it's the testing as well. And even after the testing, it's not over because questions still come up. You know, you can still join us for the Disney and the Universal trips. You can still join us for the group classes, even after your dog's fully trained, because it's nice to have something to get out and to do together. Um, so why wait? Why wait? Just start from the get-go, guys. Psh, come on. Um, so Melissa asks, how old is the oldest you personally train a service dog, seeing as how realistically they'd only work till, say, 10 is an estimate? So Melissa, depends on the dog. If the dog has had training before, you can start them a little bit later. And it depends on what you're training for. So I like to start them as young as possible. Like I said, I will start them at eight weeks old, but guess what? You can't do mobility stuff until roughly 18 to 24 months old, a year and a half to two. Um, after you get the x-rays, they're start, they're cleared by an orthopedic vet that they're good for mobility. But that doesn't mean you, you start then. You start earlier on where to stand, how to do this. You just don't put any pressure on them. So there's a right way and a wrong way to do that. Uh, and as long as people know what they're getting themselves in, in for. So if you come to me with, say, a four or five-year-old dog, and you're like, I want this dog to be my service dog, and he has no bad habits, and, you know, we've already done some training, and it just needs some tweaking, that's a different story than, I just pulled this dog from the shelter, they think he's five years old, but they don't know, and he's trying to kill people and eat little babies. Uh, so I do like them as young as possible. I know sometimes that doesn't work. So first, what we need to do is work on the behaviors that the dog has, um, shaping them, getting rid of the naughty stuff, and moving on from there. Okay. Uh, Shira says, my dog was decently well-trained at 15 months old. At three years, he's awesome. At almost five years, he's incredible. Yeah. Arrow was amazing at six. Um, and 
that's one thing too, Melissa. You think that, you know, ah, oh, I figured we'd have Aaron until he's 10 or 12 years old. I figured 14 is whenever he'd probably end up going and he'd be working at some point until then. And he unexpectedly died on us at six years old within a week from the time we found out he was sick until he was, we had to put him down. It was a week. So that was really hard. And it left me in the lurch because gypsy, we plan on breeding. So when we breed her, and I've talked about this before, but when we breed her, it's two months of pregnancy and then two months with the puppies. So that's going to be four months at a time that she's out of commission. And that's going to happen this fall. So that's one of the reasons why we put the deposit down on the Malinois puppy right before Christmas was it was supposed to be a spring litter. So I thought, okay, spring litter, that works. We'll get him March or April. And we have conference in September. So he'll be about six months that we'll have had him. He'll be about eight months old, maybe. And that should work. Seven, six, seven, eight months old. You know, that should work out fine if we can't take Gypsy. And then I find out that it's going to be a July litter, maybe maybe. And I don't like starting a service dog because I live in Florida and I do a lot of service dog in the summer in Florida because of how I do it for my personal dogs, because I do a lot more than a lot of people do. So I don't want to have to worry about booties on a puppy. I want them to enjoy it. So Gypsy was, uh, she was an August delivery and then she came home in um, October, two months later. And that was perfect because it was cool enough. We could do these outings. And I didn't have to worry about booties. I didn't have to worry about her overheating. And I didn't have to worry about booties then until she was, um, what, like May? You know, so she wasn't a year old yet, but she was, was coming close. And I have a bunch of different booties. But then she had the basics down. She had the advanced stuff down. So I really liked that. So Rich and I have been debating for a while. Debating, debating, debating. And... um. I've been looking at other dogs too. You guys know we looked at uh, at Bad Boy a couple weeks ago at Ivan's, and he wasn't what we wanted. So I had a friend actually, uh, Kayla, if you guys remember Kayla, um, who's now a veterinarian in the military with the baby, uh, and she found this um, this Doberman bitch for me. She's like, "What do you think of her?" And I fell in love with her, and so talked to Rich about it. We just paid for her today, <laughs> so I'm hoping that hoping that she's here within a week or so. Uh, I've never bought a dog overseas like this. Uh, you know, we bought Gypsy up in, and flew up to uh, Atlanta and flew back to pick her up. Well, we're not flying over to Serbia to pick up the Doberman. Um, but yeah, so we have her coming. have to deal with the FCI paperwork and getting her registered AKC-wise. And I've never done any of that before. Uh, she is two and a half. So back to the how old. Uh, she has been a show dog <laughs> for two and a half years, and uh, and we get to train her up <laughs> in another language, in English, uh, for service dog work. So she's going to come in and go right into boot camp, because that's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to see where she's at training-wise. I'm expecting her to pull on the leash. I'm expecting her to maybe jump on people, to be distracted by things, um, you know, to be utterly and totally confused. But... Well, you know, we'll document some of it too. Uh, you know, show you what it's like. And the only reason, well, one of the only reasons. Um, oh, her name, uh, Jane, is Candy. Like a stripper. <laughs> Candy de Mamba Magnifico is her official name. And if you go to the Dream Canine site, um, it's under there somewhere under breeding program, I think. Unless I don't have that site, that page published yet. Um, but her, she's on there, Gypsy's on there, and Roma's on there. Um, 
so yeah, so we decided, and then we will, you know, providing her health testing all passes, uh, we'll do at least one litter from her uh, to have baby puppy Dobermans because they're super cute. But at two and a half, I can get her right into mobility. And guess what else? She's 26 inches tall at the withers, which is where the neck meets the head or the neck meets the back is the withers. So she's 26 inches tall. Arrow was 24 inches tall. So she's taller than Arrow. 24 was the bear of what I needed. And the reason we're going with the female is um, Doberman, even though they're shorter, is 26 inches still works. So super cute. Um, Crystal says, so cute, thank you. Shira says, Europeans are generally more inclined to train their dogs well, right? Yeah, they're not as crazy. And from what I understand, um, European bred Dobermans are where it's at health-wise, temperament-wise, build-wise. They're bigger, they're stronger, Shira. So whenever you get a, a Aiden, you know, not replacement, but uh, you know, I know you and I had been talking, what next? Yeah, a boy Dobie. So what we're going to do is um, we're looking, I actually have two people that I found that I kind of really like, and I want to look up more about them, um, who are breeding European uh, Dobermans as well. So that's what we want to keep is the European Doberman, not go American European, just go with European Doberman. Um, so then they'll be the bigger and the stronger dogs. So... Congratulations on joining the Dober Girl Club. So she is my first Doberman. Uh, we've trained a number of them. Kaylee used to breed them. Um, so they'd come into class with their little cones on their head and they were super cute, but I've never owned one. So yeah, um, and we figure, whereas Malinois, I can in good conscience recommend Malinois as service dogs um, to the average person, I can with Dobermans. The problem with Dobermans is the health issues that they come up with, but they're pretty easy dogs. Um, you know, if you get a good one and you know what you're doing. So congrats. Thank you. I'm sure once a boy Dobie, right? Remind me, Shira, if you want me to put you down on my list, I can do that too. Cause I already have a list started. Um, as Kayla and I were talking, um, uh, one of her friends, one of our friends messaged me right away and she goes, put me down on your list. I want one. <laughs> so, so yeah. And then I had somebody else say they wanted on it. So I said, okay. So yeah. Um, how old is she? She is two and a half years old. Uh, um, yep, and I'm, I'm reading through some of these. Da, 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 da. Christina, totally worth it too. I'd totally be lost without y'all. Thank you. And Stephanie says, people are always so amazed when I tell them about you, by the way. Well, thank you, Stephanie. Oh, Stephanie, what's going on with the German Shepherd too, if you're still on? Um, yeah, and then some people recognize my, my Little Mermaid song. When do you get her? I'm not sure, Crystal. I'm supposed to hear back tonight because we're trying. So here's the thing. It's through Unreachable's kennel over in Serbia. Okay. But his cousin lives here in Miami and it's Dave Dobermans. So they work together. And so that's how I'm going to get my dog. And I told him that Orlando and Tampa were both close to me. Um, so Kayla had imported a dog from Romania a number of years ago, uh, Boris. And uh, she told me, like, it's really easy. It's through cargo. You just go, you park there, and you get him. Um, but bring a towel to wipe him off with because he's been in the cage. <laughs> so Rich has already said he wants to bring uh, one of the trucks and put the kennel in the back and put the dog in the, in the back seat. Not in the back, but in the back seat. So I'm not sure when, but I should hear tonight. Hopefully, hopefully this week. Uh, and Jane says, I'm not surprised that you picked Adobe after seeing you fall in love with my grand dog Midas. Right. So it was Midas. And then we have Rook into, and that kind of clinched the deal is there's a lot of him. That's really similar to arrow. Like Rook wants to climb in my lap. Midas wanted to climb in my lap. You know, they'll, they'll put their head on you. They'll give you cuddles. 
And God, I miss that. Like, Gypsy doesn't do that. She's not a cuddler. Like, you can give her pets, but, like, she won't jump up into bed with you and cuddle. And I need that. So hopefully, like I said, hopefully we'll get her within the week. Now, Rich's birthday is tomorrow. So we've got him Jedi. Well, we had actually got Jedi on his birthday a number of years ago. And I'm like, look, it's your birthday present. So hopefully we'll find out before tomorrow. But um, she can kind of be Rich's birthday present too. But I'll just steal her uh, and, and use her as mine. But he's he's very excited. Um, and he was he's the type of person who wants to come up, up with every argument on on the discussion. You know, like, should we get her? Well, you know, what if this goes wrong? What if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? What if this doesn't work out the way it is? Just to make sure that we're not just like, yeah, that's going to Doberman. Woohoo. Uh, yeah, I know Loki cuddles. <laughs> Loki's great at cuddling. But yeah, Gypsy, she'll, she'll give it to you, but she doesn't want to come up in my lap. When I pull her up in my lap, she gets right off. And I'm like, really? She'll do deep pressure, but she doesn't want to, like, curl up at it while we watch TV. Um. So yeah, so we, you know, he, he went through that. So we've been discussing it for uh, over a week. I've been thinking about Dobermans for, well, since Maida, since January, and kind of looking into them. But I really didn't want to deal with puppy stuff, especially since Gypsy's going to be having puppies. Um, so I really like the idea of going with an adult. Um, didn't you steal arrow from him too? You betcha I did. <laughs> I tell you. He can't have anything. Um, so, yeah, Arrow was his dog to train up because the girl, Jedi and Zoe, listened to me and wouldn't listen to him without looking at me to get permission for it. So, uh, but he worked out really good as a service dog. So, hopefully, that's a good sign. <laughs> and uh, and Candy will work out really good, too. So, so yeah, so that, that's our exciting news for the day. The crappy news for the day is our washing machine broke and we called three repair people and none of them have got back to us. So we had to order a new one because I'm not sitting around for a few days waiting whenever I can have one delivered on Thursday. So that's what we're doing Thursday morning and afternoon is waiting for the delivery of the new washing machine. So we can get closed on. Uh, Jane says Remy was supposed to be Randy's birthday present after our 15 year old standard died, but Remy had other ideas. She's my Velcro dog as you've seen. Yep. So yeah. So like I said, I didn't want to deal with puppy stuff. I wanted a dog. Part of it, like I said, is Gypsy. Even if we got Malinois puppy this summer instead of this fall, which is what we're now thinking, if we got him this summer, it's still going to be two years before he could do mobility. Gypsy, whenever she turns two, she's a little too short for mobility. She's good with medical alert. She's good with a lot of things. Um, but mobility stuff, like, I can't brace on her. I can't use her for counterbalance um, because she's just too short for it, which is fine. She's in standard for a female. But, and again, I figured I'd have Arrow who can do that stuff when I needed it because we got Gypsy. We wanted to breed her and we wanted to, to work her. So, uh, so yeah, that's, I'm like, I was starting to get panicky because this fall I wasn't going to have a service dog. And if I had the puppy, he's still going to be a puppy, a really young puppy. So, uh, so this is perfect. We looked at a few, looked at some males, but male dobies, you're not supposed to keep them intact around other males. Um, because they can get a little pissy, a little nasty. So we, um, we're getting a male Malinois. So we're like, eh, so who knows, you know, who knows? We'll see how the Doberman goes. And then what we want to get Malinois wise and when, um, but yeah. So um, some other questions. So that's all about me. <laughs> Make it all about myself. Well, I'm the one with the mic. Uh, <laughs> someone asked Re Risa, and if you scroll to the first 
comment here. You can see it. She wanted to know if there's any people out there training their dog in Western Canada. She'd like to connect. Um, they're training deep pressure and anxiety and avoidance and barrier. So here's the thing is, I don't know how many. So if you are and you want to reach out to her, please feel free to. Uh, and you'd have to do that through our Facebook, uh, you know, live uh, webinar video. But the nice thing with the internet is it connects us around the world. So she's in Western Canada. We're here in Southeastern Florida. Well, Southeastern US, which is Florida. We're Central Florida. Uh, so that's really nice that we can do that. So then even if she doesn't find anybody up there, she's still not alone. None of us are alone. And that's the whole thing of what we're about. So here's one of the questions that we got is, what are the main certificates you need for service dog? Okay, there's a few of them here. So that's the first one. What are the main certificates you need for a service dog? So there is no legal certification registration for service dogs in the US at this point. So this is what we recommend is you get a, a binder and you put dividers in it. So I have one for health records, um, purchase records and contracts, um, training information, certificates, training log. Um, you can make up whatever you want, but have that in there. So this is what I, I don't want to say require, strongly, highly recommend that you get for having your dog to be your service dog and keeping this in the binder. I also take photographs of these things and I will put them in my Dropbox file. So if I'm out without my binder, I still have access to them. Okay, especially those vet records. Is you want to have uh, your AKC star puppy if you start under a year old. Your AKC canine good citizen, otherwise known as the CGC. Your canine good citizen advanced, uh, which is the urban, I want to say. Well, there's the urban and there's the community canine. There's two advanced ones. So I want you to have those as a bare minimum. Now, having those does not make your dog a service dog at all. Plenty of pet dogs have all those, but you need to have those. And if you don't, if you got your dog like Candy's coming to us at two and a half years old, she's too old for star puppy, but we can do the CGCs, all three of them. So you need to have the three CGCs. You need to have the public access test. Now there is no national standardized public access test. IACP, the International Association of Canine Professionals, is supposed to be coming out with theirs. I'm waiting on it <laughs> right now. Rich and I have ours. And what I did is I looked at a few different ones, a number of them, and I took the stuff that I liked and I got rid of the stuff I didn't like. And then I made it easy for me to read because <coughs> that's needed. Okay. I needed to have it easy to read. So we have that and you should have that. You should also, if you wanted to, you could videotape that public access test, upload it onto YouTube and keep it private. So no one else sees it. If you don't want anyone else to see it, um, also save a copy of it onto a portable hard drive on your computer, those zip drives on thumb drives, whatever they're called you know, this little tiny USB drives um, and put it in a pouch in your training binder. So you have it there. You also should videotape your dog doing at least one good task. Okay. At least one good task. So if your dog has 10 tasks, videotape them doing all 10 of them. And again, put it on YouTube as a private video, if you'd like to, and put it on Facebook or not Facebook, put it in that, that um, USB drive. So then you have a backup copy of it just in case YouTube dies, you know? Um, but you have all of that. So that, and, and not only that, so we have the CGCs, public access test, preferably with video, the tasks being videoed. Um, don't just save it on your phone because if your phone dies or falls in a toilet, you're screwed. That hasn't happened to me, but from what I hear. 
Um, you also want to have your training log. Now, I'm lazy about training logs, and I only record outings until I hit my 120 hours. And why six months and 120 hours? Um, the International Association of Assistance Dogs Partners, IAADP, recommends at least six months and at least 120 hours. So I'm like, well, that sounds good to me. So I also recommend people join them because they have some really nice benefits as well. Okay. So have that training log. Keep all of that stuff in your binder. You can always grab and go with it if you're going somewhere. And if you ever are called into account for anything, you have it. Uh, I'm happy to do up a certificate for like going to Disney or for working together with you, but I still want to see that public access test, those CGCs and those tasks before I do absolutely anything. Uh, so yeah, so that's the certificates that you need. Uh, do you need to carry a card with you? You do not need to carry a card with you. However, there is no harm in your dog having an emergency or ID card. What do I mean by that? Having a card like a driver's license with his picture, your picture, address, name, any allergies, with the doctor's information. <coughs> there is nothing wrong with that. Having once, flipping it off, you know, showing it, saying, you know, he's a service dog. See that? Oh, you're hitting a gray area. And I used to tell people, don't even bother with that because it's a ripoff until you get stopped because you don't have an ID. And you ruin all your plans because you don't have an ID that you can buy for like $20 online. Know that an ID does not make your dog a service dog. So don't get your pet dog an ID and say, see, he's a service dog. But if it makes it, makes it easier, go for it. Um, Arrow had an ID. I have not done one for Gypsy yet, but I do have an index card laminated in her pouch, in her vest, with my medical information on there, with my, in case of emergency phone numbers, with my doctor phone numbers. So if something happened, it's in her pouch right there. Okay. Um, can you also train a service dog to pass the agility program, or does that mess with their service dog training? It is totally up to you for agility. If your dog is energetic and you want to do that, and you want to do it well, just find a good trainer for it. If you want to play with it on your own and just have your dog whoever jumps and stuff, that's fine. You can do that as well. The only training that I can think of off the top of my head that you really don't want to do with a service dog is the protection training, is, is train him up to like be your bodyguard. Um, because, so Arrow did bite work, he did um, tug, he did a pillow, a wedge, and he did the sleeve and the leg. But we never switched him to a defensive drive. It was always a prey drive. It was always fun. He was never looking for danger to go after, okay? Never, ever did that. Um, so basically it was tug, which is a great reward and great fun thing to play with your dog. It was never defense. And switching him to defense... I think once that happens, you can't use him as a service dog because then he's looking, 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 looking. And he can't be looking around the corner at Disney or out in your mall or at the airport for the bad guy. He has to trust that there's no bad guys. It's just fun. Okay. So that's really the only training that would real that I can think of that would really interfere with it. You know, if you do nose work, if you do lower cur coursing, like agility, lower coursing, coursing, stuff like that could hurt your dog. You know, it could um, hurt their joints. So that might not be something you want to do. Um, but you know, rally, AKC obedience. Uh, I am interested with Malapuppy. I'm mean, possibly with Candy, the Doberman as well, um, in doing possibly some IPO or PSA stuff, but I don't want to do the bite work. I want to do the obedience part of it. I don't want to do the tracking. So I basically just want to do the obedience part of it. Um, so we'll see, 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 see what happens with all of that. 
uh, here we go. Elizabeth says, hi, hello, Elizabeth. Crystal says, I'm a dog trainer, not professional, but I do train other dog rather than my own. The owners always ask where I learn everything, and I tell them dream dogs. That's awesome, Crystal. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Shira says, great idea, uh, and she needs to videotape Aiden's skills and tasks. Great idea. Crystal also says, I did this to my other service dog before he washed and stopped working when I did not have treats. Um, Elizabeth asks, how can I break a puppy of biting during the teething stage? She's biting us and we tried the bitter apple as well as giving her chews. So I got two questions, how to curb the biting and the barking. So Shira just said, um, dogs despise the taste of hand sanitizer, try it on your arms and hands, put a fresh coating on, kind of let your dog chew on you and see. So here's one, when we got Gypsy, she was very mouthy. So I walked into the pen where the dogs were and they're jumping on me, biting at my shorts, biting at me. And you've seen those videos of like the Malinois puppies where we're like, they're hanging off of the legs. Yeah. The Goldens were just as bad. And I'm thinking, well, I want her to bring me things. Goldens like to retrieve anyway. I don't want to destroy that, but Holy cow, this biting is ridiculous. So for a while I'm like, that's puppy biting. And I made excuses. And I would make sure she had her toys available. I would give her a new toy, make sure she had chew toys, put her in her crate, you know, tell her, uh, uh. But there's a few things that work out really good. The bonker, um, we use that. Actually, that's what stopped Gypsy from, from biting at me was the bonker. Um, you can also do, some people will put pressure on the tongue, put the thumb in the mouth and put pressure on the tongue. Some people say they're biting at the leash. We'll like give them a joker grin with the leash to get it so they don't want it in their mouth anymore. But then if you want them to pick up stuff, that might be hard because the dog's like, no, that's bad. No, I'm not doing that. You know, so, so you have to watch what you do. Um, then there's the other way of coming down over the snoot and making them bite their own lips. So there, there's a lot of me ways to do it. Um, but it depends on how bad it is. If the puppy is biting and needs to bite at stuff, um, make sure that nobody in your household is letting them think that biting at your hands at their hands is a fun thing. You don't want that to happen at all. You want it to be, you know, if you're wrestling with them and he's biting it, or your husband say, or your son or whatever, right, is wrestling and the dog's biting at the hands and that's all good. And then you go to do it or grandma comes in and the dog goes to bite. Well, that's what the dog's being taught is that that's okay. And so we don't want that to happen. Uh, so, so, you know, you have that. Um, make sure I like Kongs, the ones that look like rubber snowmen. And I like to stuff it with whatever. I will take their dry food and soak it in water. And when it becomes mush, I will shove it in there. I'll use canned food, yogurt, cottage cheese, leftovers, anything I can think of. And I'll stuff them in a, half a banana fills up one really good. Um, and I'll freeze them. And then whenever they're frozen, I'll give it to the dog. And, and it's nice because it is soothing on those gums. But the puppy teeth are sharp little needles. So a lot of it's just a see what works. And that's the nice thing with dog training. With everything in dog training, it's all see what works. There's nothing like, oh, this is exactly what you do every time for this situation. Because you know what? Every stupid thing that you've heard about, I think one of the stupidest that I've heard is whenever two dogs are fighting, you lift up one of their tails and you put your thumb in their butt. And that will get them to stop fighting. And I thought... How good is your aim? How fast are you? And if the dogs are fighting, they're not going to stand still while you reach, grab their, their tail, lift it up, and shove, lube up your finger, right? And shove your finger. So that was probably one of the stupidest things I've heard. But, you know, I'm sure it's worked for some dogs somewhere. But it's not a practice I'm going to use or recommend. <laughs> so don't shove fingers up dogs' butts. 
Um, Melissa says, my province in Canada requires certification and retesting every two years and photo ID, just like a driver's license. Plus, we've got a huge pet-friendly community that makes training up a puppy pretty straightforward, thankfully. That's awesome. Yeah, so there's talk here about certification for service dogs. And a lot of people are for it and a lot of people are against it. And if you're against it, people think it's because you have a fake, but it's not. It's because of a number of reasons. For example, I don't know if I'm for it or not, because there's going to be people who find it hard to get in. Well, there's people who find it hard to get into the DMV. So that kind of, that excuse gets washed away because it is um, handicap acceptable and handicap friendly. Um, my biggest thing is some doctors are, I don't want to say retarded, so I'll say quacks. Like I had a cardiologist that I went to in Maryland who told me that I was faking it. Then he sent me over to, I want to say John Hopkins was right over there. He sent me over to John Hopkins um, for them to tell me that I was faking and he thought I was looking for attention. Yeah. So I go over there, go over to John Hopkins and John Hopkins guy does some tests and he looks at, you know, my previous doctors because this guy wasn't the first. He was, I think, the third or fourth doctor I've dealt with because we've moved around so much. And he's like, I don't know what he was talking about. You're totally not faking this. You have it pretty bad. And I'm like, what do you mean faking it? So I looked at the notes and I saw where he had said, she's faking it for attention. And I'm going to send her over there. So they tell her she doesn't have it. So say that's the only doctor who you could see. The only doctor in your area, the only doctor you could get to, the only doctor in your insurance plan. And they said you were faking it. And now you can't get your service dog certified because this one quackadoo says that you're faking it. And when you're not. Like, that's what I'm worried about. Or I'm worried about if the dog's trained with a prong collar or an e-collar, that means he's not a service dog and you can't have him. That's the other thing I'm worried about. So those are my two big things that I'm worried about whenever passing a nationwide certification for it. And then just the logistics of it, because America's pretty big, you know? Like, say Sumter County, which is where I'm at, Sumter County, Florida. If we pass one, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. You know, we could get stuff figured out, and then it can go to the state level, and it can go to the national level, and that might be easier to try to figure it out. But I said my two big things are crazy doctors and what the posies would do with equipment bans. And we have some clients who they need a prong collar or they're mobility limited, you know, and, and they need that e-collar so the dog has some off-leash control if he wants to go over and do something, but he's still a dog. And remember when I just said that, you know, 10 months old, 11, 12 months old, you can work the dog as a service dog, especially if you want to fly with them and they can't fly because they're still in training. You know, you, you, it, it's hard. It's hard to figure out. And there's a lot of weird things. Um, Terry says, I may be running into the same thing with my doctor. I mentioned dysautonomia and he said, no. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I did see a cardiologist here um, up. I have a really good healthcare system now. Um, and I talked to my primary. Um, she sent me, she's like, do you want to talk to a cardiologist? And I said, I'd like to just so I have one that I've seen. So I saw him, I brought Gypsy. He asked me a few questions about her. Thought she was awesome. And then um, he said, there's really nothing to do. Asked me if the Apple Watch, the new one would be good. Uh, because you could do the EKG and it measures heart rate and everything else. And he said he hasn't read anything, but probably. And that if things change, you know, come and see him. But there's really no new, you know, he asked what meds. I've tried all the meds in the past. Tried the compression hose. They used to recommend, 
because I got diagnosed with this guy when I was 19. So we're talking what, like 22 years ago. So I've been through the gambit of it. It's now making like popularity. Everyone is is getting pots and, and getting the basal vagal syncope. And uh, and I've had it since it was neurocardiogenic syncope. So apparently that's the worst one from what I've, I've read online. But uh, you know, the worst form of it. But they wanted to do a pacemaker. And I'm like 20 and I'm like, I'm not getting a pacemaker at 20. Um, so I was on Norpace for a few years. And I had to get off of it um, to get pregnant with Luke because it was not a good drug. Norpace and Zoloft and Norpace and Paxil. And they weren't for the antidepressant part of it. They were for the, um, because it worked. So there's something called a tilt table test where they put you on it and then they pull you back so many degrees and see how long it takes you to pass out. Well, they put me on, they're still strapping me on as they're going back here and I'm passing out like as soon as they go back and they're like, get those straps on her. And they're giving me the shot of epinephrine. And, uh, and then I had to stay in the hospital to get on the Norpace. It was my one hospital stay that wasn't, you know, that was just an observation. I was in college at the time. So I had my college homework and stuff that I'm working on as I'm hooked up to these electrodes in the hospital. It was super fun. It was like a vacation that from hell, <laughs> you know, I'd rather go to a nice hotel, not to the hospital where it was beeping and nurses checking on me. But but then they did the um, the tilt table test before I left, uh, and and it, I felt terrible, but I didn't pass out. So he's like, "Well, that's good, but you still feel terrible." So that's whenever he's like, "I've heard that the Paxil or the Zoloft, whichever he did first, was supposed to help." So they added that to it, and it helped for a while. But yeah, so I'm just kind of wing it, and that's where the service dog comes in too, which is why it's such a big deal to me, because she's there. She's there, like Rich and Luke aren't in here right now. Luke's homeschooled. Rich and I work together from home, you know, so I'm with them more than most people are with their families. And I'm still with my service dog more. She comes with me into the bathrooms. Um, you know, if we're at one of the parks or we're out shopping or whatever, they go off and get whatever they want. And I'm with her. So I'm with my service dog a lot. And you have that better, a, a fantastic bond with them. Uh, and, and you get really reliant on them. So like I said, the whole thing, I'm thinking like maybe we should put off her having the puppies, but she still have to go through heat and I don't really want to travel with her if she's through heat. So yeah, it's been super fun. Um, so Melissa says, I get both of those concerns. <coughs> Jane says, Remy's an angel on her prong. She knows it's her working collar and she goes crazy happy if we even touch it to put it on her. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on how it's introduced and all, a lot of it, you know, and if you introduce it like, so I have to do this, buddy, but you're just crazy. I don't know what to do. The dog's gonna hate it. Or if you're like, come here, let me put this thing on you. But if you're like, look what I've got. Isn't this exciting? This is your do something collar. They're gonna love it. Um, Catherine Montgomery says, where can I find sounds for skateboards and bikes? Is this possible? I found them for fireworks. I would look up on YouTube. I mean, YouTube has everything. It's the second largest search engine in the world after um, Facebook. Or I'm sorry, after Google and before Facebook. So I would Google um, skateboard or skateboard park and see if you can get that. And bikes, I assume you mean motorcycles, not pedal bikes. So you can look up, you know, um, what is it? Daytona Bike Week. Bike Weeks. I'd look up Bike Weeks and see what you find. Elizabeth says, my friend has the same problem as you. And one doctor said she was faking it as well. And then she called him out on it. But she's thinking of a service dog to help her with it. So, yeah, they have to be task trained. I've trained numerous ones, which has been really cool. Um, because whenever people find out I have it, a lot of times when their dog comes out for boot camp, if I'm in one of my bad times, because I have good times and bad times, um, they'll start alerting. And then whenever they go home, they'll alert onto their owners. I don't know what they're alerting, 
but I feel wonky. I call them to me. I breathe on them. I pet on them. I give them treats and they pick it up. So it works. Um, Michelle says, yeah, I can't go to the bathroom without my two right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, how to do barking, biting. We said how to curb barking. So the first thing is you got to find out why your dog is barking. Zoe, my 13 or 14 year old border collie, she loves to bark when the ups or the FedEx truck comes by. She barks at them the whole time. When ambulances or sirens come by, she'll howl. And I'm fine with that. She's allowed to because it doesn't bother me all that much. You know, that's the only time she really does it. Um, but, and, and like if people come over or whatever, you know, they might give out a bark or two. And again, I'm fine with that. Like that, that's, that's fine. But if it's just barking their head off, like we get some boot camp dogs new come in sometimes and they just want to sit in the crate and bark constantly. Oh, heck no. So we have a few different things that we'll do. We use the bonker and chuck it at the crate and bonker. What is that? It's a rolled up towel. If you've ever done one of those ho-ho cakes or you know what a ho-ho is, you, you get the towel, you fold it like into thirds and you ho-ho roll it up and you put gum bands on either end. That's it. That's a bonker. So I'll chuck a towel at the crate. That's my favorite use for a bonker is, um, is that. So uh, here, we, we got some more questions, so I had to put it down there. So keep writing a minute, I'll get to it whenever I get done talking about what to do with a, a barky dog. So we'll do that. We have something called a doggy don't, which looks like a taser. It makes a noise of a taser, that crackle, but there's no electricity. You can hold it like up to your skin, up to your head, and it's not going to hurt. Um, that's a good one. Um, there's compressed air called a pet convincer or pet corrector. That'll work. Um, but you've got to ask yourself why. So if the dog's barking because he's bored, you've got to do something with them. And make sure that you mentally and physically exercise your dog. You can't just do one. If you just do one, it's not going to work. You have to mental and physically exercise them. You have to give them something fun to do. You can't ignore them and put them in a corner and then get mad at them when he barks. And not that that's what's happening in this situation, but it's something I have to tell people. And then if nothing like that is working or say you're in an apartment and the apartment people are like, hey, shut the dog up or you're getting kicked out, you need to do something, you need to do it fast. And that's to where a bark collar can come in. If you're going to use a bark collar, do not get a citronella bark collar. But it seems like that'd be nicer. Yes, seems can be deceiving. <laughs> um, citronella sprays the citronella which is like the mosquito stuff. And then it's going to get onto your dog's coat and it's going to stay there. So he's going to get um, corrected for it long after he stops barking. Instead, what I like is the e-collar. Or if he doesn't care about it, he'll just bark, 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 bark. It'll all shoot out and then he's free to do it. But I like an e-collar bark collar. But here's the problem. I have four. None of them are my absolute favorite. They're decent. I don't use them all that much um, because I, I usually do it with e-collar, take care of it a few times with the e-collar. If you have the consistency, it doesn't stick around all that often um, and, and take it from there. So if you guys are interested in trying an e-collar, uh, like I said, I like starting with the remote one before I do the bark one um, just because I can shut it off. Um, but, but it works. It works out really nicely. And then do something. So here's one of the things that I don't see working at all, and that's teaching them to bark on command. Now, I used to do group trick classes. And I give them a list of tricks. What do you guys want me to want to learn during this class? And they'd want to learn bark on command. And I'd tell them, I said, are you sure you want to learn bark on command? And it was one for the list for trick dog titles, so I wanted to include it. Yeah, 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 we want to learn bark on command. Okay. So we do, we do bark on command the next week. Why did we do bark on command? Well, now, because you put it on command, 
it's now an acceptable behavior. And being an acceptable behavior, they might get rewarded for it at any time. So they might want to start doing that and see if now's the time they get rewarded. Do you understand? So you don't want to do that. So I, I don't teach bark on command. I don't teach a bark and a quiet cue. Um, now, if I was, if someone really, really, really wanted it for an alert and I couldn't talk them out of it, I know how to do it. It's just something I do warn people against doing. Okay. So here, another question from Elizabeth. Should we start with a gentle leader head halter or a prong collar? So if he pulls, but not terribly, uh, if you, either one, really, um, if you want to start with a gentle leader head halter, go for it. If you want to start with a prong collar, go for it. Um, if you're going to be working with us, I recommend starting with a gentle leader because then if we need to pull out the prong collar, I can introduce it and it works out really good. That's usually what I tell people. Abby says, hey, my service dog's in heat and she's been much more attentive and nurturing towards my son. Will this carry over after her heat is over? I don't know. Let me know. <laughs> um, sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. And Shira said she has to go. So I hope she has an awesome evening. Um, we got another question here. Jacqueline, as a restaurant manager, I regularly have guests with fake service dogs, i.e. dogs, raccoons, and goats. How would you deal with these situations? Other employees are afraid to address these animals because they are afraid of the legality. I don't want to offend or step on toes either, but we have some animals that are not legit and growling at children and other pets. I'm going to support real service dogs, and these other animals are giving them all a bad name. Advice and pointers? Oh, girl, I got you covered. So legally, there's two questions that you can ask. Now, this doesn't mean every employee in the restaurant, but like the manager or the hostess type of thing should ask. Or if you don't have one of those and it's a seat yourself type of thing, the waiter can ask. Is that dog a service dog required because of a disability? The answer must be yes. What task or tasks has the dog been trained to perform? Or what tasks or work has the dog been trained to perform? And they have to tell you, now they don't have to say diabetic alert. They could say medical alert and response. They monitor my medical condition and let me for know before it gets too bad. Or, um, you know, he helps brace me. So whenever I can't get up, he, he helps me with that. They don't have to tell you, like, I have epilepsy. They can say he's, uh, he monitors my medical condition. You know, so don't ask for medical stuff. Ask what the dog has been trained to do. Now, it's only dogs and miniature horses. Miniature horses are about the size of a Great Dane. They are not full-size horses. If anybody is bringing in goats or raccoons or cats or snakes or guinea pigs or gerbils or anything other than a dog or a miniature horse, no, they're not allowed. And you can tell them that is not a service dog. And you can print up the FAQ on the ADA for service dogs. Please print that up. It has a lot of that information that you're going to need. And if you can't find it, just PM me because I have a hot link on my phone. So when I'm on my phone, I can send that over to you. Um, so you ask them to leave. Now, I'm sure being at a restaurant, there are security cameras. Keep the footage of you politely telling them they have to remove the animal, but they are welcome back without the animal. Just like if you do have a dog, if the dog is growling at children, if the dog is not potty trained, if the dog is just in there barking up a storm, if the dog is causing, I don't want to say chaos, if the dog is just causing disruption, that's the name. So if the dog is causing disruption, you can ask the dog to leave but, or ask them to take the dog out, but you have to welcome the owner back. So what you do is you say, your dog is causing a disruption because he's been growling at this other dog over here. He's growling at children. He's air snapping. He, he pooped on the floor and you didn't clean it up. Whatever. You, you have to leave with your dog. You have to take your dog out of here, but you are welcome back without your dog. 
Because if not, if you don't say that, then you're basically um, turning them away because they have a disability or they could claim that. And we know that's not true, but, and then save the footage. If it happens at 6.15 on a Tuesday night, write down 6.15 this Tuesday night and save that footage because you might need it at some point. Um, and if not, if you don't have recordings up, um, out in public, there's not an expectation of privacy. So check with your state. But if something like that happens and it's a kind of confrontational scene, whip out your phone and start recording. That's what I tell my people to do if they're ever in a situation like that. And it's what I recommend everybody do because y'all have phones with video cameras on them, right? So if there's something going on, just whip it out and start recording because there's no expectation of privacy because it's a public place. Okay. Crystal says, I ordered an e-collar technology. How should I start to use it? I'm pretty familiar with e-collars, but I'd like to hear from other perspectives. Um, that is covered on our Dream Dogs online course. Um, week four, we introduce, we talk about it. Week five, six, seven, eight, nine is when we work with it. And we also have some free videos on our YouTube channel, which is, I believe it's Dream Dogs with the Z at the end. I um, mean, if you look at Freedom, that should be our, our e-collar stuff. Uh, Crystal says, Sable's doing very well around other dogs. She's fine when she meets them, but a little weary when she first sees a new dog. Um, she can work around them. Well, I'm actually actively training her, but she'll bark. Otherwise, how do I address this when I have no training tools? Crystal, you just got your e-collar. That'll take care of it for you. Um, Terry says, also service dog should be on the floor in a restaurant. It's not sitting at the table. Exactly, Terry. Do not let them sit at the table. They should also not be fed at the restaurant. They should be at the floor either tucked underneath or out of position, middle of the walkway. Mm -mm, they have to move. A uh, couple other questions. I'm not feeling great, so I'm going to log off pretty soon. Uh, how can I control my husband's service dog in training while she gets overly excited and whiny? <sighs> Your husband should be controlling his service dog. You can't be the disciplinary to him be the fun one. He has to do it. So if it's overexcited and whiny, chances are her needs aren't being met. Um, she needs potty, maybe a potty break. Maybe she needs some crate time. Uh, maybe he needs to up the training a little bit. Um, but let me know more information about what's going on there. And then motivating unmotivated pups. So we just had this happen. One of the members of our online group in online course sent her dog away for boot camp. And not with me uh, because she lives across the country. But the, uh, the trainer was saying that the dog wasn't motivated. He would eat for cheese sometimes when he was hungry. So what I told her, who told the trainer, who did it in great results, is he works for his food or he doesn't eat. So that's a great way to motivate unmotivated pups. They work for food, for their dinner, for their breakfast, for their lunch, whatever, or they don't eat. So if I get my dog out to work with them, when we get candy and I'm going to get her food out to work with her, if she doesn't want to work for me, she will go back in her crate and for probably not eat, not offer again for like say eight to 12 hours. And then we'll try again. And it won't take too long before she is very, very happy to work with me um, and do it very happily. So that's a big one. Okay. They walk for their food. So that's it. I got to go. I'm not feeling great. Sorry guys to cut this short. Tune in next week and watch the page because when we get candy, that'll be the first place I announce it. Okay. Bye guys.